Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, Deepalm. Follow me on Twitter at Deepalm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guessed it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere they get podcasts away for absolutely free 99. Give those five-star reviews on iTunes. Read them on the air or email us at UDPodcast at gmail.com. Have your voice be heard. We're back. Podcast dropped on Sunday. Good times there in. And I was saying the second this Boston series ends, I'm going to call it the Boston series because it's funny. Um, I'm going to record another podcast. I'm going to do a finals preview. And who better to do it with than the homie Mike, the man who does overruns with me every year and loses to me every year. It's my podcast. Don't challenge that. And good to have you, Mike. How's it going? Oh, it's good. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of year, basketball playoffs. It's not just the basketball playoffs. Play. Uh, to sum up us, it is. We're deep into the holiday season. For those of us who are members of the church, I wish you all a happy Lebronica. The season has gone deep this year. The season has gone long. And it does what it does every year. It ends up in, in NBA Finals. And uh, we'll talk about some of the historical things that are bouncing around right now. But I know what you're thinking. Oh, podcast on a Tuesday. They must be some NFL coverage on this motherfucker. And you're right. So on the back half of this, is going to be me talking about the games that were. We're recording this ahead of the Monday night game. So if everyone enjoys Ravens, Chiefs, oh, my God, I can't believe how that ended. Like, I feel like that's going to be a good catch-all for that game. Um, I do want to bring up the fact that the Falcons poisoned the world again with their brand of football. And, um, Mike, you're, you're an Atlanta fan, or at least nominally. You've, historically, you've you're a genetic Atlanta fan. Are you actively watching this tire fire? Every week I go on to ESPN and I check the score. I'm like, oh, my God, we're up a lot. And then a second layer, I'm like, it's not going to last. Don't get excited. And then I see you tweet, you know, around the end of the fourth quarter. I'm like, yep, it did not last. So can't do it. Yeah. I'm not going to let them burn um, me. So... I've been very public about the fact that I'm not watching college football, which means the only football I really can depend on to see every week is going to be the Falcons, which is becoming a bit of a problem. Um, I can't. I stopped. I actively stopped cheering after the third quarter of game one. I didn't watch game two. In game three, I did what you did. I checked the score. and I was like, oh, let me dip in and see what's going on over here. I turned it on just in time to see, I believe it was a dumb pick. So that wasn't a great feeling. Um, and they did what they did, and, you know, it is what it is. And people were like, oh, I can't hear, hear Palm, Deep Palms. Oh, uh, Falcon's reaction. Guys, I didn't watch the little dragon show, but I was told that which is dead may not die. And <laughs> I don't know if you realize how badly this team has hurt me over my 35 years. And that – to allow them to continue to hurt me in a year of a pandemic, a year of an election. I've got enough stress. I just bought a fucking house. I'm good. I'm good. So if you came here for fire and brimstone, wrong show. I'm I'm out. Like at least I can uh, I can watch football. Like tonight is Ravens Chiefs. I was like Mike, we're recording at 6:30 because my ass intends to be locked into a couch for that football game. And I want to be done editing and posting and all the post shit I got to do before that football game because we have two under 25-year-old MVPs for the first time ever facing off the NFL, and they're both 
black quarterbacks. The blackening has occurred. It's happening under their noses. They can do nothing about it. Oh, I love it. Do you know Dak Prescott was a fourth-round draft pick after being first-team All-SEC twice? I did not know that. Uh, and, that like, is, there are reasons, like, a lot of jokes about Dak Prescott. Do you know Dak Prescott once got beat up by his own line on, set, on spring break? Lots of questions about Dakota Prescott. But I'll tell you what. Um, that's not why he's up to the fourth round. To the fourth round. It's not. He's a black quarterback in that system. And for some reason, that system seems to be producing results. And I've been told, didn't watch, that that system beat the shit out of LSU in Death Valley on Saturday. And so the the world around football has changed. The face of quarterbacking has changed. It's going to be interesting to see how the NFL pivots or embraces the blackening. Because when you saw that, like, Black Lives Matter video from – the uh, black player, well, the black, the players of the NFL, that's from Doug Mazzell. Um, yo, Patrick Mahomes is in that shit. Like, Patrick Mahomes looking dead in the camera, like, you gotta do better by us. And like, okay, ba- all right, Patrick, all right, I'll see you. Use your voice, use your power. Who are the top two paid quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Like, the blackening is here. Black mediocrity. Uh, uh, Jameis is on the sideline in, St. in New Orleans, and they may have to pull that old man off the field. The empty stadiums and hearing Drew Brees try to throw 10 yards, funniest shit in America. Funniest shit in the world. It's a real effort. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a tennis player. And I, for one, couldn't love it any more than I do because guess what? This ends with the Saints bench cheering for Jameis Winston. Here for it. But we're not here to talk about football. Not quite yet. We're going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals. And, Mike, if I may drop a massive earth-shattering, I was motherfucking right. Nothing's ever stopped you before. Thank you. Consider it dropped. Mike, I was right. Like, last year I said, yo. The LeBron thing, like you give him Anthony Davis. And, you know, the thing is, I've been listening to a lot of retrospectives from last year. Kawhi actively sabotaged this Lakers team. Kawhi did not tell them about where he was going to go, so they couldn't sign anyone. They were waiting for the Kawhi thing. They missed on free agent for free agent. They had to scrape for Danny Green. And now look at him. (laughs) Golden. Again. And I'm not a Lakers fan. I want to make that very fucking clear. Lakers fans who are celebrating the things I'm saying, we are not the same. I'm cheering for LeBron James. Our interests happen to coincide. I was never a Cavs fan. I've talked to a lot of folks from Ohio who I agreed with at the time. Miami fan, maybe my least favorite city in America. LeBron was there, so I did what I had to do. LA, I hate you. As a city, as a concept. Lakers, <laughs> we end this shit this year together. We're going to win a title. But before we get to the champions, let's get to the people who didn't quite make it. Mike, Celtics lost to the Heat. 3-2. I, uh, or 4-2, excuse me. Do you walk away watching from that Celtics series, and you put, you know basketball, impressed with Brad Stevens? Because I still am impressed on the X's and O's shit. But my question is, when Marcus Smart's throwing chairs after game two, what did Brad Stevens say? Like, what's the Brad Stevens? Calm down, Marcus. Like, I don't. At a certain point, like, and I can, I guess um, during the playoffs last year, into game six, uh, Raptors, Warriors, there's a great inbound play called by the Warriors. Uh, Steph missed the shot. They would have gone to game seven if he made it. 
after the game, Zucker admitted he stole that play from Brad Stevens. A lot of guys admit that kind of shit around the league. But when things get hot, I don't see Brad as the guy I want on the head of the ship. Is that am I crazy or just typecasting him because he seems like Brad Stevens? No, I mean the Celtics should have performed a lot better. I mean, I love the Heat. The Heat played really well. I'm not we'll surprised the propaganda and the Heat culture. We'll get to all the propaganda later. Oh, by but, the way, in case you're wondering, this is a pro LeBron podcast. If you're here for the Heat take, Lebetard's podcast is one click away. I promise. But yeah, uh, Stevens underperforms. I mean, the Celtics were leading entire games until the end and uh, just giving it up. I mean, it, how many it's times wild can you to really... me because it was never, it never felt like they were at a. I felt like honestly watching that series, they were at a distinct talent advantage. Yeah, I thought the top three players in that series were probably Tatum. Brown and Bam in some order, but like the fact that you've got two of those three mean that I need to see more out of those guys. And when I watched Jason Tatum not score a point in the first half of game four, yeah, like the coach has got to be able to push a button. It can't be a halftime speech. It can't be a he got right at halftime. Yo, if I'm your coach and you're Jason Tatum, they're not going in. Keep fucking shooting. What are you? Run plays for him. I mean, what are we doing? He stopped doing like I, that was egregious to me. Like that that was one that always stuck out with me. Watching them kind of I don't want to say abandon Kimba, but put Kimba in a place where he felt like he had to do it for himself. And then, and that was where I kind of knew that the series was over, where it looked like, oh, that looks like Kimba and Charlotte. Like I actually like a lot like Kimba be deciding, like, oh no, that's gonna do this shit. I gotta do it myself. And yeah. when you get that Kimba, yeah, you'll get incredible plays. But it takes everyone else to the flow. The offense, it takes the cutters away. It just it doesn't feel like a, a – the quarters of great Celtic basketball we saw in this playoffs, because I only put together a real big sample size of great basketball, but that third quarter in game five was really just kind of like, oh, shit, they, the 41-point quarter where Tatum scores 17, you're just like, oh, this is what they do. They clamp down on defense and run you. And I thought there was more talent on that side of the ball, but if the coach isn't actualizing that talent – what are we celebrating this cat for? Because he came there from Butler saying, I can maximize limited talent. Well, now you've got a new problem because the talent's not limited. And Dave is going to be an all-star for the next 10 years. Jalen Brown has all-star potential. Kim is an all-star. Like, these are three cats who need someone who's able to work with cats at that talent level. And I'm not going to make a Gordon Hayward joke. I could. I'm not going to. All I'm going to say is, this ain't Butler. He's been there, what, seven years now? There's no way he's been the Celtics seven years. Hold on, I'm Googling that. Keep talking. But, I mean, it's just, you know, you got to ask how long you keep doing this. Uh, oh, my God, it's seven years. Yeah. He's been there 25. since 13? Yo, what are we doing? Other other coaches get fired a lot quicker for you know. Like not it's not like the front office hasn't improved the team in the ways that he would like. And yeah, you can ask questions about some of the personnel moves this offseason. I would happily do that. A lot of questions. They gave a lot of size for you know what they thought they needed. And I think Kimball was the right get, but like I don't I I didn't expect to see 13 on the wiki page when I just clicked on that. I'll tell you that right now. That caught me off guard. And man, because the players are improving. 
and it seems like the cast the characters he wants what's the problem like the celtics are good but how close are they to really getting over the hump? good not good enough when better is required right and you know starting to think that might be the case with them i mean i don't know what changes they make next year that's gonna can i ask you this can i ask you this yeah i'm not taking up for flat earth uh jones but kung fu Kyrie didn't work there partially because of like a personality that it feels like is he not the problem like if the problem is that this guy can't manage large personalities who require managing and that's part of this job we're going to talk about spo later and how he's done an amazing job at every goddamn turn on every different iteration of this team whether it be the big three era whether it be the hassan Whiteside mistakes and whether it be what we've got right now it's that's a coach that's he's the second longest tenured coach in the league Did you know that about spo that's crazy yeah. And now I you look know, at, you look at some credit. Bounced out. Tons of credit. Look, look, he's maximized. At times, he's maximized guys who weren't ready. But like I always say, like Doc Rivers is a great coach for an established team. I don't know if I want a team growing up under Doc Rivers. Conversely, I want. I love watching a team grow up under Brad Stevens. I don't know if he's the voice that gets him over the top, because the the needs of Jason Tatum in 2020 are not the needs of Jason Tatum in 2015. You got to be able to coach him differently. You got to be able to approach him differently. And again, this is from I never played basketball. I just love basketball, and I talk too much about basketball. I'm asking you now, like honestly, like you, because it's such a small team, you can't say this is my system and the players don't get it. Get the fuck out. Like you aren't Bill Parcells. At a certain point, you've got to be able to be malleable and t- tailor what you're doing to what you've got. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do think you did a good job. You know, they're kind of guard heavy and I think they bounce better than I thought they would this season you know between Tatum uh, Smart Walker um, you know those are guys that like the ball and like to score Um, but I just I don't see him getting them there in the next year or two I mean you know this year how many teams were hobbled with injuries and then the pandemic of it all with you know, a lot of teams not being full strength. And then, you know, it's only going to be more competitive next year. A lot of people right. are going to be more well-rested coming back from injuries. You know, That's they never crazy. have to do it. It should be next year. We're, it is September 28th. A year ago, there was media day at Lakers camp. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got like another year, I'm guessing. Okay, so can I ask you, like, this is going to sound insulting to uh, Brad Stevens. How old were you when you learned how to break a zone? Was it seventh grade or eighth grade? I mean, it's pretty basic. And I don't know, this is something I've always wondered because zones aren't, like, that common in the NBA. And it seems like this happens. (laughs) Yeah, but it seems like this happens all the time where, you know, the very fundamental thing to break a zone just doesn't happen until, like, the next game when they've clearly had time to sit down and talk about it. But it never happened for these Celtics. They ran the, they would run that mix up zone probably three times a game. And every time it would either completely stymie the Celtics offensively, or it would like discombobulate them enough to where they had to reset the offense out of it. And, and I'm just like, and maybe I'm not, I'm not a basketball savant. I know enough. You can break a fucking a zone. You can and do it. They seem like a good team to break a zone, drive and dish and shoot. I mean. At the very basic level? If I look at the roster, yeah. If, if those are the guys I'm hiring 
to say we're we're all in, and we're gonna talk about this more too. We're all in on modern basketball. We're all in on driving kick. We've got a bunch of tall, rangy guys who can drive and shoot spot up threes. Like if that's what I'm saying, my roster is then I don't know why this didn't, you couldn't break this zone. Because there are other ways besides driving kick to break a zone. Right, but I'm just saying at the very basic level, like, you know, the thing you learn in... But I'm saying, like, if, if I'm Brad Stevens and my thing is motion, my thing is the full team of the offense, why are there no back cuts? Why is no one taking advantage of an overshifting zone? Why are there no passing lines being played? And part of that, all credit due, Miami played a very active zone. It was not a passive zone by any stretch of the imagination. They were constantly attacking. They would even put Jimmy Butler up front of the zone. Like, I liked that stuff because they were running that 1-1-3 variation. And putting Jimmy Butler up front just because he has so much size and length, it, create, it cut down those passive ends. I, I'm willing to give credit to where credit is due. At the same time, motherfucker, you're a professional NBA basketball coach. Let's do this. Like, there are ways to break a zone. Yeah, uh, I don't know how they weren't prepared for that, nor how they didn't acclimate to it. I mean, that's... The acclimates gets me. Prepared, fine. Miami weren't, I actually ran a lot of zone this year. I read a lot of fucking next level stats to prepare for this. But Miami actually ran a lot of zone the regular season, particularly against Boston. But once you see it in game two, guess what? You can't let happen to you in game three. Yeah, what was your practice the next day? What are we doing? (laughs) Like just shooting around? Oh, we go sit there and run that shit. No, that was one game thing. All right, right, two game thing. They come back to it. Like have the conversation. It can't. Your team can't look flustered every time it happens. Right. Oh my God, they're in a zone. (laughs) It's that thing that worked last time. I can't believe it. (laughs) Well, let's talk about teams that aren't doing what didn't work last time. That is a ham-fisted way to say Doc Rivers just got fucking fired. Um. We're recording this on Monday the 28th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I did not expect to be covering the Clippers today and giving, throwing more fuel on the fire that is the Clippers. But here we are, Mike. And you, I want to say to me what you said to, the, to me earlier about Doc Rivers. Ask the question. Which question is that? Do we know he got fired? It just says he's out. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... What Woj just said, they parted ways. The uh, kind that is, you're firing your ass. I'm sorry, if Woj says they parted ways and the first quotes out are from the owner, you didn't quit. Oh, I didn't see the owner speak. Ballmer, I, I got a Ballmer coach right here. Statement Monday. Doc has been a terrific coach for the Clippers and an incredible ambassador and a pillar of strength during tumultuous times. He won a heck of a lot of games and laid the foundation for this franchise. I'm immeasurably grateful to Doc for his commitment and contributions to the Clippers in the city of Los Angeles. I'm also extremely confident in our front office and our players. We'll find the right coach to lead us forward and help us reach our ultimate goals. We will begin the search and interview process immediately, which means, one, they hadn't started the process. No. I know that because when we're sitting around here with uh, Sitchers rumors for the last two weeks, no one said Doc, who I think could be a good coach for them, honestly. Um, and now I gotta say, didn't expect this because I knew that part of the deal of getting Kawhi and Paul George was Doc. And for all the jokes I have about Doc being the only coach in NBA history to blow a 3 1 lead in the playoffs, not just do it once, not just do it twice, but do it three fucking times. Um, he has been their rock through a lot of shit. Donald Sterling happens, Doc's there. Ballmer comes on board, Doc's there, they break up, um, Lob City, Doc's there. They run that, like, AAU squad last year and make a fucking run, and Doc's there. 
And this goes back to, and I don't know if this is actually, I would disagree with this on its face that Doc is not the guy to coach this team, but I just watched it not work. Like, honestly, in a vacuum, I'm like, oh, a bunch of veterans who just play hard occasionally? <laughs> that's a Doc Rivers squad. <laughs> that's, that's a squad. And I just watched it fail. And so now the question becomes, who do they bring in? Because I have a name. It's a name I keep throwing around for everyone's job because we saw him manage relationships in a way that I've never seen a coach do on the fly. Because if you remember a couple of years ago, they fired old buddy in Cleveland. They fired him because LeBron said, hey, he's good, but he ain't that. We can't win a title with this. And they elevated Tyron Lue. What did Tyron Lue do in his first abbreviated season as head coach? He won an NBA fucking championship. And because people have been saying ever since then, oh, it's just because of LeBron James, he has not smelled an NBA job. Yeah. And I think it's funny that anyone else would think that you're supposed to win with Kevin Love's ghost in Tristan Thompson's contract. <laughs> like, I. We'll talk about the greatness of LeBron later, but like he was set up to fail once that shit fell apart. And because this league is what this league is, you get to watch Steve Nash. You pull up the street for a head coaching gig. You get to see the guy he's replacing be reduced to the highest paid assistant in the league to stay. Look it up. Jock Vaughn stayed in, in uh, Brooklyn. As the highest paid assistant in the league, who's coaching that team? Yeah. And Tyron Lue, I hear like, can I, can I rather get an interview? Can I get a conversation? I have this hardware and shit. I'm in a finals with Matthew Delavadova running point. Ask me questions. Maybe I'm crazy. And the funniest thing about the Clippers shit. Do you think... Uh... Oh, if they hadn't gone out the way they did, the 3-1 to, to Denver, them, Doc would have been fired. Them going out any other way was never going to occur. And that's the weirdest part about this shit. They will always be and always have been the fucking Clippers. Mike, Mike, Mike. That's the best finish in franchise history. Doc laid the foundation. Motherfucker, this is the peak. What are you talking <laughs> about, Steve? This gives it gets, baby. You're the Clippers. You're the other guys. When they asked LeBron, are you disappointed we wouldn't get the Battle of L.A.? He said, what battle? Yeah, the, the narrative that they're on the, you know, equal footing. Is, Yo, uh, that's been the funniest 12 months of my life. <laughs> like, they're in the same city. That, that's about it. Because let's be really real. The Clippers would have gotten clapped. It may not have taken six. It might have been five. Yo, shout out to LeBron on the gentleman sweep. I'm going to sweep you, but you're going to feel okay about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been real friendly with this playoffs. Every round. <laughs> but before we go and get off the Clippers news, I want to remind everyone that Paul George used to date Doc Rivers' wife. Doc Rivers' daughter, excuse me. He got kids with Doc Rivers' daughter. He cheated on Doc Rivers' daughter. She then married Seth Curry, and then he got his ass fired. If Doc Rivers fights Paul George, I'm okay with it. And since we know Paul ain't got no heart, I'm taking Doc. (laughs) 
That was a line that was too far. <laughs> Maybe there's a very specific period of time in which he just plays and does really better than okay, he normally so does. I want to talk about the Nuggets in a second. Do you think that he irrevocably altered the way he plays after he broke his leg? Because I do. Who plays? Doc. Or excuse me, Paul. I think Paul George's game changed dramatically after the broken leg, which makes sense. Not a knock. Just an observation. Uh, I don't know. Because you, I mean, you remember that 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 West that Eastern Conference Finals 2013, I think it was Heat Pacers, and at one point before they go into overtime, PG and LeBron dap each other up. Like it was a real respect type situation. Yeah, but I mean, I just attributed the change to like different teams, and but like when he came back from the injury, he was the driving stopped. Like he's a that Paul George 18 footer. That's that shit now. It used to be yeah. like at least Paul George will drive on your ass. He'll drive for a second, and then the second he gets slowed down, bye bye paint. We're good. I'm good. Out here, nice. Huh? He's gun shy. I maybe see the thing is I don't want to characterize as much because it's human to be like that. The last one time I did that, I wrecked my shit for like 18 months. It is human to not want to do that shit again. It's one of the reasons Sean Livingston's entire career is such a tremendous victory in my eyes. Oh yeah. Oh, it, like the, oh, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, don't do not Google that shit. Um, me <laughs> neither. I've never seen it, and I'm so glad because it sounds horrific. But is it is it crazy to think that Paul George maybe and I'm gonna use your word here gun shy after the Sanchez thing because I would be call me yeah, a coward man. and like this game is different a lot a lot more spot up but I don't know I'd have to look at it more yeah I'm 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 obviously probably just kind of um I'm guessing here I'm just saying things off the top of my head and nothing on top of my head dim nuggets and I want to just legitimately applaud the effort like this is not patronizing little brother shit like this is like the nuggets did that shit down 3-1 of the jazz is you know it's a deal came back 3-1 of the clippers and just proving to the universe the frauds that those motherfuckers are like i just <laughs> chef kiss have you ever seen some shit like that like it wasn't like oh they were up 3-1 and there was a bunch of competitive games down the stretch and they pulled it out no 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 the Clippers would pull away all three games, all three closeouts, and just slowly whittled away. And I think the fact that Doc couldn't do anything to stop that, that got you fired, baby. Because we can't fire the player. We can't fire all the players. We just can't, mathematically. We got to pay these motherfuckers. Guaranteed <laughs> and But I do want to give credit because I didn't know 2-7 was that good. I mean, Jamal Murray, that real dude, man. Never been an all-star, about to be an all-star. Man, they gave him the max last July, and everyone was like, oh, I don't know, it's you know, it's, it's a gamble. Nope, it was a great deal. And I feel like he had a good playoffs last year, too. It was it was streaky. He's one of those guys who was kind of like, he um he and Donovan Mitchell dueled. Uh, and it's when Donovan kind of stopped. It was a bad. It was a bad series of Donovan Mitchell, and it was kind of like, oh, volume shooters are good to their. They're fun to watch, so they're not fun to watch anymore. Um, but Donovan Mitchell obviously bounced back from that. Jamal Murray has just proven that he belongs on that level, and if not higher, because I like Jokic. I think Jokic is a top five big man for this era, which is kind of backhanded praise. But 
his liability defensively, if there were certain plays, like if you if he had nine fouls in game five, you could have been like, oh, right. that makes sense. Like he, yeah. his defensive presence was such, uh, he was just liability because it wasn't even like he was guarding AD. They were like, oh, just put Dwight in there. Hopefully he can't help but foul Dwight. And we'll talk, let's talk about this right now. Dwight Howard. At one point in 2008, it was a okay question asked, who would you rather have in your franchise, LeBron James or Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard is a multiple-time rebound champion, multiple-time defensive player of the year, an MVP, I believe, I think he got one. He made a finals. He's coming off the bench as the other guy now, and that's what makes this Laker team so scary, is that like when they decide it's going to be a Dwight game, all you got to do is give you energy for 10 minutes. You'll give me 10 minutes of energy, you psychopath. Go. No one likes you, you weirdo. Go. Go get 10 minutes. And all he does is board, put up layups, block. and get fouled and block. Like, the fact that they've got and, – and let's okay, so let's look off the Nuggets now. Shout out to them. Great fight. Great great effort. One more thing about the Nuggets. I mean, they sure. had so many players step up. Uh, yeah. Murray played yeah. really well. Jokic played really well. Porter is, you know, going to be something – for a while, if he stays healthy, I believe in him more than it did. What Grant in his uh, contract years about to get Are paid? Uh, yeah, real impressed with them. And next year, can't wait to see what they do. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second because I don't believe in this shit. This what? next year shit. Guess what, kids? This is a unique set of circumstances, unique set of opportunities. I don't know what next year's gonna look like, and I can't trust these players and these coaches to necessarily develop and keep teams together or anything. So I think, yes, it could be a chance next year, but what changed in front of them? The, the Warriors are coming back. The yeah. coming back. Yeah. They're going to get better. Dallas not going to be happy with a first-round exit. I'm excited to see how they grow and see what they do and improve. I don't think I they're necessary. I hope, I hope they can keep that band together because it sounds like some people are getting paid. It may not get paid in the Mile High City. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. They can, they can probably compete for the Montez Herald who cost himself a bunch of fucking money clippers. <laughs> this shit's not going to not be funny to me. Um, the Heat. So I've been doing a lot of research, and that means listening to a lot of podcasts today. I listen to Levitard's show. I listen to Zach Lowe. I listen to uh, Wayne Horse and Momo at Loops Collective. There's a couple of other podcasts as well. I see why people are saying are super excited for a Lakers win here. I'm more nervous about this Heat team than I thought I would be. Because full disclosure, uh, full disclosure, I thought a better matchup for the Lakers was the Heat, not the Celtics, because of their size, their wing size. I, I promise their wing size and scoring. The best player on the Heat is Bam Adebayo. We finally got a Bam playoff game where he dropped 30 and 10 last on, in game six. Hurt. And was erasing people. My question is, because there, and that's another thing that's hard to do comps here. There was really no big he's run into at this point. Giannis got hurt. He was going to be the honest topper. That, that was the point. And they've got, and now, can he defend Anthony Davis without fouling him? I've seen Bam get in foul trouble. And it's something that both these teams have largely avoided because guess what? They're not going to let AD guard Bam. They're going to let him get picked up by JaVel and Dwight because guess what? That's 12 fouls. That's, that's yeah, 12 fouls. Yeah, they just right get there. to throw JaVel, Dwight, and AD at and, him. and now because now you're cross-matching on like 
transition ball, which is where the Lakers have really excelled this year. Like, oh, they play a slow pace. Okay, look how many turn points of turnovers. How many touchdowns has LeBron thrown? Exactly. So that that that's where like concern. Let's okay. Let's do a pick before we do anything else. Who do you got, Mike? Lakers. And how many? Um, I think six. I'm going six. Gentleman, gentleman sweep feels mean. I'm only saying six because continuing the streak of gentleman sweep feels mean. And I just I look at how they weren't able to contain Tatum, and all I see in LeBron is like better Tatum. And I'm just like, better, bigger Tatum. Because what the fuck do you do with LeBron James? Oh, we're going to put Bam on him. Sweet. Who's checking AD? You'll put Jimmy on LeBron? They're weight classes for a reason, my friends. Yeah, but I'd still... Eh. You'll put Jimmy on LeBron. Oh. You know what? Spoh's so much smarter than both of us. There's no good goddamn way Jimmy sees LeBron James. Jimmy, Jimmy may ask for LeBron. Jimmy may request LeBron. Spoh's smarter than that shit. Yo, the best thing in the world for me was down the stretch of game four, watching LeBron pick up Jamal. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, he's, he's still. And that's been the difference this year in LeBron. And so, of course, LeBron's standing over here. It is what it is. If you wanted to make LeBron James defensive player of the year this year, there is a case. I've seen the advanced stats and the fact that from day one with Vogel, he bought it. He said, okay, we're going to be a defense first team, at least everything else. Those fast break numbers did not happen by accident because they play fantastic defense because that guy's locked in. And guess what? If that guy's locked in, you can't slack off. If that guy's locked in, the experience that he brings, it pays in dividends because on our bench, experience. We got a champion, a near damn champion in Dwight Howard. We got a Hall of Fame in Dwight Howard. Hall of Fame and right, Rajon Rondo, argue with yourself. When those guys become Danny Green, probably not a Hall of Famer, but he'll, he'll get a jersey retired somewhere. He'll get a Spurs jersey retired. He's got two rings. It's the sum of the parts. And everyone says that about the, the Heat and says, oh, any guy on this, on this team can beat you. That means there's no one on this team who can beat me. Because when it gets down to, to that time, LeBron and Anthony Davis. And the, the Heat are literally like, roll the dice. And like the certainty with which I approach the two crunch time approaches is why I do not see it's going to be a great series. And it's kind of poetic. Like you look at the storyline thing, like LeBron is only here in LA because of the lessons he learned in Miami. He said it multiple times. He had to go to Miami. He had to leave Cleveland to figure out how to win. And for all the animosity and acrimony between he and Pat Riley to this day, he learned to win from Pat Riley. And that matters. And everyone said, oh, he's going to, Spoh's going to be able to, to, to game plan against him. If you learn nothing over the last 17 years, it doesn't matter when it really counts. You think Mike Malone, who used to coach LeBron in Cleveland, had no idea what the fuck was coming? 38-point triple-double to close your ass out. Get off my court. <laughs> and I know the heat, heat culture, no confetti when they won. I saw it. Ah, uh, I, too, am enthused by it. That rah-rah shit works great for a minute. Because eventually the ball's got to get tipped. We got to play this year game. 
Give the Heat a little bit of credit. Just a little bit. You're, you're very, very high on the Lakers. Which I, I no, no. Okay, so I mean, couch all of it. All of it. No one plays harder than this Heat team. No one has enjoyed the bubble more than this Heat team, particularly Jimmy Buckets, who is just thriving in the right. bubble. He yeah. may never leave. He may ask to buy his suite. Like, I just move in here. This would be perfect. I can live here. Close enough to Miami, I can fly to home games. It would be great. Um, I think that structurally, the Heat can get it done. Like, things break bad for the Lakers, it can happen. Like, this is not a foregone conclusion. I'm telling you my pick based on how I think things might go. If you told me that you'd fit the Heat in six, I wouldn't blant. I wouldn't fucking lose my mind. I get it. Will the Heat do better? The Heat, you have to respect their shooter. This isn't like, oh, maybe MPJ will hit this one. Duncan Robinson will knock your fucking face off. They've got a second unit leader in Tyler Hero who has the largest testicles found <laughs> on a human. So, like, I don't, some of this is false bravado, Mike, because the Heat are a very real fucking threat. Like, five seed my ass. They will. They came to play basketball. Like this is that AAU team who thrives at camp, not who the one who's used to being pampered and shit, but the one who loves the smelly bleachers, the one who loves the shitty van. This is that team, because that heat mentality. And you look at like kind of what they built since the Big Three era. I invite everyone to go look at the roster rooms that have been made since then. It's really impressive because when LeBron leaves and when someone in the Heat organization, not Pat Riley apparently told LeBron that leaving was the biggest mistake of his career, he took that shit personal. He brought that up when he won the title in Cleveland. He said, I heard that shit. Yeah, you know what I said. I said it on purpose. And it's interesting because I think he and Riley don't like each other because they're too much alike. And Riley likes to have that personal connection with his players so that when it comes time to cut them, he can cut them, and they come back smiling later. Ask Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway. LeBron, until the genie bus thing, well, I don't know how real that is, has always kept ownership and management at arm's length. It's always been, you go through my agent so that there's no belief that there's a relationship. There's no relationship to betray because I've let you know the whole time it's a business arrangement. But the lessons he learned in Miami, not just about winning, but about roster construction and how to leverage political power, have been on hand since he left. He signed a longer deal in L.A. and in Miami than he ever signed in his time with Cleveland because he never trusted Dan Gilbert. And so I look at the lessons. I look at how they're manifesting. I look at how he not only brought in Anthony Davis, but nurtured Anthony Davis. He put Anthony Davis in a mental place where when he takes that shot at the end of game four, he knows it's going in. And LeBron, LeBron's drawing two men by standing still. He's... Fuck this. If you want to make the LeBron MVP case, you also make the exec of the year case and coach of the year case. Calm down. Calm down. What the? Hold on. Either LeBron is to blame when the roster is bad or he's to blame when the roster is good. It can't be either or. Because when last year's roster came through, everyone told me, oh, LeBron, I'll put this shit together. This shit was terrible. Huh? It can be neither. He's not to blame for either of them. Cool. Why is Anthony Davis in L.A.? Aside from the fact that he signed Rich Paul, LeBron's childhood friend, as his agent, and then subsequently demanded a trade out of New Orleans. Was that Rob Polinka's sterling, off-brand um, Rob Lowe personality? No. Yeah, didn't they, like, go and see The Dark Knight or something and then decided? I hate you. 
<laughs> All I'm saying is I look at the body of work here. And the Heat story is a institutional greatness story. Pat Riley's been in the finals for six straight decades now. 60s, 70s as a player, 80s and 90s and 2000s as a coach, 2010s as an exec, 2020 as an exec. That's six straight decades. That's, an, that's unparalleled greatness. And LeBron went in, and I'm saying this, LeBron went into a franchise that had not made the playoffs in six years. That prior to those 10 years had been in every other finals. 50%, it's crazy. And a year after he was hurt, when he didn't compete, I was told it was over. He was told it was over. We were all told it was over. And here we are. Oh, he joined the Lakers. This is not the Lakers team that was there when he was, and it's not, guess what? How good were things, Mike? Magic Johnson pulled that weird-ass appearance. I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, you got to remember where he was 18 months ago. This is a goddamn tire fire. Sorry, that feels like five years ago. I know, right? <laughs> but that was last spring. And so when I say give this man his flowers for everything he's brought to L.A., I mean that shit. Lakers fans, thank this man. And we'll have those those questions I don't want to ask yet that I'm saving for the drunken post-ring celebration, which I'm promising. If the Lakers close these motherfuckers out and they win a title, you will get a podcast next day. It will be drunken deep palm and it will be a shit ton of shit talk. So it will be a lot of fun. Um, but since I can't go to a bar to watch it, I have to watch it at home no matter what, might as well talk about it as soon as it's over. Lakers and six. Eat culture, beat culture, eat culture. I don't give a fuck. Lakers and six. Tell me, I'm give me I, again. I'm giving all credit due to the Heat. I think the Heat are going to. This is not going to be an easy series by any stretch of the imagination. But when it comes down to those close moments, the two best players play on the same team. You might say three, four, and five play for the other team. That's fine. That's awesome. Do they add up to this one and two? Mathematically, I don't think they do. And the thing about the, the cool thing about the Lakers is that they're able to say, we know these two are coming through. The next guy up is the question mark. He, anyone can beat you any night. Well, hold on. Your whole team's a goddamn question mark then. That's not, that's not how we do things here. Get Brad Stevens to coach it. Let me stop before I say anything more mean about Brad Stevens and give two seconds here. Eric Spolstra. Bra fucking go. Underrated somehow, still somehow, somehow underrated because this is a great coach. And you know what? This goes back to the institutional greatness thing. They haven't hired a new coach since Pat Riley. It's always been internal promotions. Stan right. Van, Spo, like what? And that's okay. So I think that's the larger point I want to make. The stability that we look at for Pat Riley for the Heat, he looks at it from an organizational standpoint. And LeBron sees it as a model he can take other places. I don't know if it transports. It transported like, to LA. It transported. He brought a ring to Cleveland and he took the fucking Cavaliers, who have been in our lifetimes a fucking punchline. They were the Clippers. Transport in the same way. When you look at institutions, you look at like the Spurs who have longevity in a coach. So now. I'm saying he's challenging what institution is. He's saying that I am an institution. He's saying LeBron James institution. 
And to be fair, last 10 years, if LeBron's on your team, you're playing in the finals. If you want to make an argument as man institution, that's a pretty goddamn good one. And we and we excoriate him because he lost to two of the greatest teams of all time. What? Again, this is a lot of this is going to be saved for the and hey, look. If I'm jinxing it, I'm jinxing it. I'll I'll wear that. That's fine. But LeBron said it himself. He said he saw him when the confetti was dropped. On the floor, no shoes on, sitting in, sitting cross leg. You see, the Heat didn't drop any confetti at all when they won their shit. That's a Pat Riley small petty shit. I I know Pat Riley's not coaching and he's not playing, but man, this feels like Pat versus LeBron, and I, it's the LeBron Bowl, and that's what we deserve. It's it's the perfect cap to. COVID because, man, I'll be honest, I was nervous about watching them play the fucking Celtics. I thought, matchup-wise, I thought the Celtics had them. I don't know. I, obviously, I've been wrong, but, like, I, I felt like that was a better matchup for the opposing team. How does this Heat team, and I think they do, but do you think this Heat team can, can peel off four and seven games off LeBron James? Be honest. I don't think they can peel off four. I mean, they're young and inexperienced outside of Jimmy. You know, Even Jimmy's never been to a finals. Right. And then a lot of their, you know, the things that put them over the hump a lot have been shooting, which you're not hitting one night, you know. But the thing is, and the counterpoint to that is they've been, they're now in the finals and haven't had that night where they really couldn't miss. They haven't had that night. Uh-huh. Yeah, so but they also it, have they're doing, like, a team that has two, you know, like first team all defense. Right, right. Um, Oh man, this is gonna be a great series. I'm excited for it. I don't know. The Lakers have like continued to step it up. I mean, Rondo in the last round, hadn't seen that in a minute, but he was getting after it. Yo, Uh, like playoff Rondo's a thing. Like playoff Paul needs to go away forever, but playoff Rondo's a thing. And And, and, he wants another championship, so it's gonna keep going. And because there, nothing is promised, and the championship's not promised. I'm gonna get this off my chest right now. For the last, mm, call it eight months, y'all should apologize to Melo. Give Melo his flowers. The apologies start with LeBron James. National media, we all heard you. Apologize. Before it's too late. I honestly think that if he cut like a, a heel promo after, if they win and he just goes fucking full, I, you never thought I could, did you? And they dropped like the NWO music and like he throws glasses. Like, if he went full heel turn now, I'm okay with it. 2011, it wasn't quite earned. He just joined a new team. Y'all some haters. But this shit, yeah, man. I rock with him. I rock with him. And it'd be such a good story. Like, I don't know. The Lakers thing feels almost foretold. The year Kobe dies, like, which was this year, which again, five years ago. Talk myself into it. Lakers and six. When they lose, I apologize to everyone that's cheering for them. This is on me. So that is the mush. Mike, thank you for jumping on and talking a little uh, NBA playoffs. This was fun. I won't have you back on if they win because uh, no one needs to be carrying any sort of uh, wound from that besides me. But we'll have you on again probably during the final just to talk it out and see what the hell we're about to watch. 
Happy to be there. Yeah, man. All right, so stick around. We're going to talk breakdown week two in the NFL. And um, if I decide to record it late enough, maybe just maybe talk about the Monday Night Football game. See you guys next time. All right, here comes a breakdown of week three in the NFL. A great way to make sure you do it after the Monday Night Football game is to keep punting until you absolutely have to record it. Deepalm66 here, ready to wrap things up for you in a great NFL week. We'll start where you guys all want to start. The Falcons once again did that Falcons thing, gave up 20 points in the fourth. Uh, this one is on everyone. It's not just on coaches. It's not just on players. It's on everyone in that building. Um, they, The Falcons built a good lead, not having Julio Jones, but 20 points to Nick Foles in the fourth is unacceptable. They crushed uh, – what's the kid's name? I can never forget his name. And It doesn't matter. He's not starting anymore there. Um, Nick Foles is now going to be your starter going ahead in Chicago. And uh, the Atlanta Falcons are rewarding all of us for their futility by being on Monday Night Football this week. I apologize to everyone. Let's start back at the Thursday night game. The Dolphins took on the Jaguars 131-13. Um, Gardner Minshew, who again beat out Nick Foles last year for this job, looks you know like Gardner Minshew does, uh, two seventy five and a pick, but there's never really got anything going. Ryan Fitzpatrick continues his tour of the AFC East as the only Harvard player of note that you'll ever be mentioned. Ever. And of note, I mean of notoriety. Um, the Bills held on to beat the Rams in a very weird call at the end there. Uh, Josh Allen, have maybe. I don't know. I'm not willing to say that Josh Allen is 100% going to be your franchise quarterback, but I will say he's made some of the corrections that I thought that he wouldn't make after two years. So uh, tip of the cap there for him and Bills fans. Rams, first loss of the season. I don't think anything's crazy there. I do think it's interesting that you saw kind of the Rams fall behind, but then use their normal offense to catch up. And we'll get, touch back on that later. The Browns beat the Washington football team. Um, I don't want to hear about Baker Mayfield still. Uh, this is a Nick Chubb team. This is Nick Chubb, 108 yards, two, two touches. Uh, damn good dog to run behind. Dwayne Haskins Jr. still not looking great, but put up good numbers on Sunday. The Titans beat the Vikings 31-30. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I don't know what to say. I want PED testing immediately because he's become a different person since arriving in Nashville. But that said, great, great game by the Titans. Maybe some pretty bad fallout because it looks like a lot of people in the Titans organization and front office are, excuse me, in that building are going to be positive COVID tests. The building's going to be closed until at least Saturday, which throws into jeopardy their entire game plan for Sunday. They're still scheduled to play on Sunday. The Steelers, I believe, uh, we'll see how that goes. We're recording the new UD pod on Saturday afternoon, so we'll have any updates to be applied there. Raiders lost to the Patriots and this camp thing. And they got a bulldog on the run. Like, letting Sony run now. Like, I need. The Niners are missing everyone. The Niners are missing their quarterback, a bunch of starters, and they fucking boat race the Giants 36 to 9. Giants. Daniel Jones is no good. I need you to stop holding on to this. Maybe Daniel Jones. No. This, it's, a, it's a wrap. The Daniel Jones era is over. Saquon Barkley, you know, he's out for at least a season. I hope he gets better. So I'm going to say you guys have heard my opinions on him and his running style in this podcast uh, for the last however many years. So I'm not going to excoriate a guy who's injured, um, but it's going to be an ugly year for New York um, and for the Giants and the Jets. Bengals, Eagles tie because, of course, they do. Joe Burrow continues to be Joe Burrow, 31-44 for 312 and two touches. I um, I didn't know it would translate this directly, but here we are. And for all that you can say about the Bengals and all the bad things they do, they're in every game. They're in a fight every game, even with a team that's underwhelming like Carson Wentz's Philadelphia Eagles. Steelers stay undefeated, beating the Texans 28-21. Y'all can hate on Deshaun Watson all you want. 
They traded his like they traded Nuke. Like what? I bet Deshaun watches Arizona highlights every week, pissed off, and he should. It's a fucking embarrassment they've done to him in Houston. Uh, next up, the Colts. Philip Rivers. Um, I don't think Philip Rivers is back. I don't think Philip Rivers is good. I do know the Jets are bad. Jets finished with seven points. The Colts finished with 36. Um, could be a long year in New York. The Panthers beat the Chargers 21-16. It should have been a battle of black quarterbacks, but somebody got stabbed in the lungs. So Justin Herbert takes the first, his second start, excuse me, comes up short yet again. Uh, looked okay doing it, 330 in a touch. Anytime you're getting a rookie to throw 49 times, it's probably going to be a problem. But, hey, look at statistical categories. The Chargers did it all there. They couldn't put it together. Matt Rule gets his first NFL victory, and we're going to see how that goes and um, bears out for the Panthers because we the rumor was always that the Panthers were trying to, you know, quietly chank, tank for the Clemson kid, kid from Gainesville, Georgia, Trevor Lawrence. And now, like, there are a lot of really bad football teams. One of them plays in Denver, Colorado. The Buccaneers won 28 to 10 headed there. Tom Brady, three touches. Get nervous. Um, get nervous. Because the, the the NFC South, like this could be this is how it happens. The Saints. <laughs> Um, I would say meltdown, but you know, it is what it is. They're just not very good at football. Um, their quarterback's terrible. The Falcons are falconing, and then the Panthers won despite themselves on Sunday. So if you were saying, oh, this is the year Tom Brady misses the playoffs, eh, wrong division, kids, wrong season. Lions beat the Cards 26-23. Matt Patricia gets a win. I don't tell you. Um, I'm all in on Kyler Murray. I'm all in on everything that Kyler Murray and that team does. Nuke had 10 catches for 137. Bet they wish they had him in Houston. Adrian Peterson ran for 22 times for 75 yards, leading all rushers in that game, thus proving, once again, ageless, timeless Adrian Peterson. The Cook Let Russ Cook contingent continues as the Seahawks beat the Cowboys 38-31. They need some secondary help in Dallas, and I know that the Seattle Seahawks have made everyone look silly secondarily this year, but... I don't see this holding up all season because Dak Prescott, 57 throws, too many throws. 472 yards, it's a lot of yards, three touches. That's a good stat line. It should be enough to beat a team. And the Seahawks are evidently the cream of the crop in the in the NFC. However, you got to get more. You got to get more of that defense for the Cowboys. 31 points should be enough to win a game against any team in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> 30 wasn't enough for the Saints, though, as Drew Brees threw his um, continued five-yard ins and outs and dinks and dunks for 288 yards. But Aaron Rodgers did what he does. 37 touch, 37 points, excuse me, 283 yards, three touches. The Packers baptized the Saints. And then in the Monday night game that we're all watching, the Black Bowl, the quarter black statement of the year. Note who started when, because the first pick of the primetime games always goes to the Sunday night game. They chose Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. The Monday night game was handed the scraps of two reigning MVPs, both under 25, both black as hell, both playing very different games. Um, a lot's going to be made of Lamar Jackson's uh, numbers in this game, but they probably shouldn't. I don't know if everyone's talked about this besides me, but I guess I'll be the last one. Lamar Jackson's numbers are a direct result of Wink Martindale's incompetence and the offensive coordinator whose name I'm escaping me is escaping me his incompetence. When this team goes down, they get away from what they like to do. They start to throw a lot more on early downs. You look at the Rams game, like I mentioned earlier, that's how you want to handle losing. Like you want to handle being down. You say, hey, our base shit is explosive enough. There's no need to get weird and fancy and do things this team isn't used to doing. When you looked at this team, the Ravens, when they were sticking to the run game, it was competitive. Yeah, Wink Martindale probably shouldn't blitz that much because Patrick Mahomes is going to do Patrick Mahomes things to you. But offensively, none of that said you can't do what you do. 
Um, the team wasn't comfortable with it. The offensive coordinator was co- wasn't comfortable with it. And there's going to have to come a moment where everyone realizes what's best for Lamar is probably best for the team offensively. And also, don't blitz fucking Patrick Mahomes. I know that. And I'm sitting at home on my couch. Um, <laughs> that's it, guys. That's week two of the NFL. Enjoy the game tonight. We're going to be back on Saturday with a new podcast. We'll be out Sunday morning for your pregame consumption. <laughs>